Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey everyone and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover news from the video games industry and try to do a little bit of analysis. My name is Patrick Beja and today is going to be a... A little bit of a different show. Um, we're going to be talking about the news, but one specific piece of news that has been very impactful, I think, in the video games industry as a whole in the past two weeks or so, and specifically for the community and communities that I am a part of, and that is the uh, news of uh, harassment and uh, discrimination at Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, I'm sure many of you have heard about it already. Some of you might have heard about it in great detail. What I'm going to try and do today is uh, cover what happened um, specifically, chronologically, and then give my thoughts on everything around it. Um, the reason I'm going to do that is I think most people who are, again, in these communities have all the details, but uh, I think some of you might be... Uh, listening to the show for video game news in general maybe you're not as much into blizzard games as others and maybe you've heard about it but you don't know exactly what happened and why it's such a big deal so i'm going to try and give you all the context and all the information you need and hopefully if you know everything about it uh, you'll get something out of this episode as well just for a little bit of context uh, i mentioned i'm part of this community. Um, I got my start in podcasting in 2006, uh, listening to The Instance, which is, and then participating in The, Inst in the Instance, which is a World of Warcraft or was a World of Warcraft focused podcast run by Scott Johnson, prolific podcaster. And at the same time, roughly, I started my own World of Warcraft podcast called Azeroth.fr. Um, and that was my main show for a few years. And then I got into more uh, different types of topics in, in podcasting and started a bunch of other shows. Then uh, in 2009, I started working at Blizzard Entertainment in Europe um, at the EU office, and that lasted for five years, at which point I left the company in very good terms and uh, started this career in podcasting as, you know, a professional podcaster that I now have. I've been very much a part, I'll say it again because it's, you know, very true, a part of the Blizzard community in many different ways for, you know, active ways for over 15 years now. So um, when this news hit, it was a big it had a big impact on me and the people I know and love and, and respect. Um, and in some cases, respected, past tense. So um, 
what happened exactly? So on July 22nd, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the DFEH, uh, filed a lawsuit against Blizzard Entertainment, actually against Activision Blizzard, the parent company of Blizzard Entertainment, um, for discrimination and essentially harassment. And uh, all of this is alleged at this point. But as we'll see in the future, in, in the next few minutes, um, it's not a case of, oh, well, we don't really know. Um, so they filed a lawsuit following a two-year investigation, um, and the lawsuit alleges massive amounts of harassment, discrimination, especially against women and against, uh, you know, people, uh, m minorities in general, but the main target has apparently been uh, women. And uh, this is a serious administration, right? The, the DFEH is a, a part of the state administration, a part of the state government, and uh, they did a two-year investigation. And if they bring a suit, it means they are putting weight behind their actions that they wouldn't if there wasn't, uh, if they didn't think they could have an impact and, and probably win the suit. So that's one thing to take into account. And before we, before we move on, um, I want to say that I was shocked at this point. The, the suit details many things about the ways that Blizzard has been uh, inflicting this kind of treatment to its employees. And they're abhorrent. It's, it's really difficult to read. Uh, in some cases, it's actually... Uh, you know, there's one case of suicide that has seems to have been uh, at least in part caused by harassment um, by coworkers and managers and and um, and that kind of thing. And but but this is one case, and there are so many instances of women and minorities being mistreated, being put down, uh, things like. Cube crawls where male co-workers would get completely drunk and uh, go from cube to cube and suggest things to women. Um, instances of, I'll, I'll get to them, I guess, in, in a few minutes, but uh, there's a lot of women ha being made to do the work of their male co-workers while those would be very inefficient and uh, play video games and women not being promoted for outrageous reasons. Um, and this is not one instance. Uh, I encourage you to go read it, but please trust me when I tell you this is a very significant thing. It's not just a, a couple of cases where you might think, oh, well, there are jerks everywhere. This boils down to a very problematic company culture that has not been um, checked by the people who are responsible and who should have put it in check. Um, and this comes after the incidents, the similar scandals 
at uh, Riot Games a couple of years ago, at Ubisoft last year, and uh, there have been others. And the thing is, the reason why this hit so hard is that um, a lot of us, and as we'll see, a lot of us men, not women, a lot of us men thought that Blizzard was kind of an exception in a company that is known for its toxic culture and, and misogynistic culture. And Blizzard has had an image of a company where values matter. There have been issues with Blizzard, with, you know, um, player discontent and um, the direction that the games are taking, but they were very visible about uh, minorities and uh, representation and things like that. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I'm sure you remember Gamergate back in 2014, um, and Gamergate was a big scandal, and uh, it was about, oh God, I don't even want to go back into this, but essentially a lot of toxic gamers, mostly male, were uh, upset that uh, people and women and other people were making noise about the fact that there was very little female representation in games. And it turned extremely toxic, extremely toxic. It became a battle in the entire community. And for the most part, uh, companies were staying silent and weren't addressing it, didn't, didn't want to touch it with a, with a <laughs> you know, 10-foot pole. Um, and at BlizzCon 2014, Mike Moheim, then president of Blizzard, uh, said something. It wasn't Gamergate is dumb or game, those are assholes or anything. I'll curse on this episode, by the way. I, I'm sorry. Um, but he said, you know, there are things happening in the gaming community and that is not right. And uh, we should be, I, I'm paraphrasing. Essentially, he was saying, he, without saying it, he was saying the gamer gators are assholes and we should be better than this. So this is one point of, of um, reference, which isn't huge in retrospect. But again, no one in the industry was talking about it. So the fact that he did, no one knew if he would, um, but he did at the opening ceremony at BlizzCon, it was significant. Um, another thing was that year they announced Overwatch, a game where representation was extremely um, important, a big part of the game. It is to this day a very good example of good representation of minorities, I think, with a game that is a fantastic game. However, you know, stale it's been in the past year or two. Um, it, and, and it isn't the focus of the game. Um, I think it's fine when it is, but in this case, it isn't necessarily. But it's such a big part of it that it's impossible to, like, it's the kind of thing that you want to see. So these are just two examples. Uh, again, minorities, very visible, community, very loved and active part of, of um, the almost, you know, the life of the company and the brand. So I thought you know, Blizzard is the exception. And I've worked there. And and uh, so this lawsuit, which alleges all of these things going back, at, at in, the, in the lawsuit, it goes back to 2013, but clearly it is part of the company culture, shatters that image. Um, and it shatters that image in a way that is not just, some will know, you know, Activision has been taking a bigger part in the life of Blizzard in the past couple of years. And a lot of people are saying, oh, uh, Activision is a bad influence on Blizzard. So it would be easy to think, well, this is Activision's fault. 
Um, and it most certainly is not. It, it started uh, way before uh, things, you know, Activision got, took an active part in, uh, in, in Blizzard. And those people that are or were leaders in Blizzard are, you know, either they knew and did nothing, which is likely, or not nothing, but they thought they addressed it and clearly didn't, or did things like slap on the wrist type things, uh, or at the very least, they should have known and didn't, and that's their responsibility. So it goes back to that kind of uh, idealized period of Blizzard where at that point they were good, even though they're bad now, and some people want to put all of it on the recent times. It isn't. All right. Um, then... A lot of women started coming forward. A lot of women uh, from Blizzard itself, the company, and the community around the company. And I think when the lawsuit was first announced, there were there were people who thought, "Oh well, maybe this is something a little bit older," um, because the initial response to the to the lawsuit by Blizzard was a horrendous message where they were essentially saying that uh, this was something to... I'll, I'll get back to it because it, there's a, another <laughs> load of that, but uh, to, the, to the effect of um, this is unaccountable bureaucrats making an irresponsible lawsuit um, and this, does, this is false and incorrect and... Um, uh, deformed uh, that's not how you say it but um uh, description of blizzard and anyway this is all in the past so they kind of admit it admit that there were issues it's not the blizzard of today and or the activision blizzard of today i'm focusing on blizzard because it seems that's where the most egregious stuff is happening but the lawsuit names activision blizzard and we've seen a, a few examples of things happening at activision and i believe even at king which is the third big company of the conglomerate that is Activision Blizzard, uh, the big studio um, that does mainly mobile stuff. So um, the, the, the statement was essentially, uh, this is, it's not just, it's outrageous. It, it's saying it's a middle finger to the administration, which in effect is a middle finger to the victims of these uh, mistreat mistreatments. And Following that, um, the women, as I was saying, of Blizzard, uh, many of which I know personally, um, started coming forward with their stories. And it basically became an explosion of confirmation of the, 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 the uh, essence of what the lawsuit is about. And um, there were women giving horrible accounts of how it was to work at Blizzard and how it still is, you know, it didn't, it doesn't seem like it stopped. Um, many, many women, I don't even want to, you know, um, things like a leader of a woman who spilled booze on their, uh, on, on the woman's arm and then proceeded to lick it off the arm. Um, and pressuring women into drinking. I don't, I, you know, there was one, there is one thing uh, noted specifically um, 
in the lawsuit, which is the case of Alex Afrasiabi, who was one of the leaders in the World of Warcraft team, who was actually pressuring co-workers and fans uh, to sleep with him. We'll get to that in a, a little bit. Um, and uh, abusing them at parties at BlizzCon and things like that. He was actually let go about a year ago. Or not let go, that's not true. He was quietly removed and apparently with a lot of money is now in Hawaii having the time of his life. Um, and so this seems like this is the kind of dealing with the abusers that we've seen. And that thing with Avraziabi had been going on for at least seven years that we know of and probably more. So after seven years, that's what happened. He was given money, I'm guessing, and let go to not make too much of a fuss out of it. And he uh, he's probably not the only one. We've seen in the past couple of years, two, three years, a lot of people leave Blizzard. We assumed it was because they were uh, unhappy with the direction that the company was taking and the relation to Activision uh, was taking. Now, we don't know. Um, we don't know who was involved and who wasn't and who was, you know, quietly pushed aside. I find it unlikely that it was Activision quietly cleaning house, um, but maybe, I don't know. I, I, I find it unlikely. Um, but it's possible. Anyway, um, following that and following the, the storm over the 48 hours that followed of, again, so many, essentially, it's not just so many women. It's every woman, every woman that I know that has been involved with Blizzard, whether at the company or in the community, has come forward with stories like that. Um, being pressured into either, you know, having sex or being put down or not being promoted. And I, some of them I know personally were doing an incredible job and weren't being promoted. And I, at the time, I didn't, I'll talk about, you know, my responsibility in this as well in a little bit, but um, suffice it to say, all the men were flabbergasted and all the women were not only not surprised, but extremely angry that all the men were flabbergasted because they've been saying it for a while about the industry, not, not clearly about Blizzard, not directly, but they've been, I'll talk about this again, responsibility in a little bit. But uh, so that was the, the, the mood around Blizzard. At that point, Jay Allen Brack uh, puts forward a statement, uh, an email that was leaked. Well, you know, these things are written. It's a company-wide email. Of course, they know it's going to be leaked. So um, they write it as a public statement. So, you know, when people say, oh, it was leaked, it wasn't intended for, but they, they know it's going to be, it's going to come to the press. So, um, Jay Allen Brack uh, puts a statement. He's the current president of Blizzard, former uh, lead of the World of Warcraft team. Um, and his statement has a much better tone. Essentially, it's the kind of thing which I qualify as absolutely necessary and absolutely meaningless until things happen. It's like a necessary first step. That means nothing if there isn't a second and third and fourth and, you know, 10th step. Um, where What he said is, we are, um, uh, the, the, he, he acknowledges the allegations and say, says they're 
troubling. Uh, he says he's angry and grateful, um, but he doesn't say he's sorry, I don't think, which is, I think, a misstep. Um, he also um, says a couple of weird things about his uh, his ancestry, about essentially, like, my grandma was a woman. like, uh, And uh, he says another thing, which is, I have always fought about um, bro culture, which, as we'll see in a second, I don't know that he can claim that. But he's saying, you know, please call the uh, integrity line, the outside integrity line anonymously. You can talk to us inside the company as well. We'll be acting. All right. It goes without saying this is unacceptable. It's go it goes without saying, um, oh, sorry, he says with saying uh, that everyone should feel safe at working here. It's that all the, the, the things you need to say and then follow them by actions. Um, so this is the kind of thing which is a good first step. But again, there are a few issues with uh, this the, the statement. One of them being um, a video in the interim came out about uh, from BlizzCon 2010, where we could see um, a panel of uh, for World of Warcraft with six developers, two of them being Alex Afraziabi and J. Allen Brack. Um, and uh, a woman comes forward and asks, essentially, um, I like that Sylvanas, which is a main character of the game, is a strong character, a strong female character, but can we get women that do not look like they're coming out of a Victoria's Secret catalog? Which is, you know, it gets, the, the question gets, it, this is 2010, and remember, the question initially gets woos, like woohoos and then booze, which already is kind of what the hell. Um, and then the panel goes on to answer with this is a phrase uh, goes on to answer with, well, which catalog would you like them to come out of? Which is, and, and it goes on for about two minutes like that with them making jokes about uh, sexy female characters in the catalogs they should come out of and, and laughing it off and having a, a good old time. Um, and it's so despicable. Um, the woman is obviously very uncomfortable, but that's not even the point. A few people, uh, some from the panel, have been saying, oh, we couldn't see the woman, we couldn't see how uncomfortable she was. And they clearly, some of them at least, feel bad about it. But the the fact that she was uncomfortable is not the point. The fact that they didn't actually answer the question correctly isn't the point. The, the point is the kind of culture um, which allowed them to think this was an acceptable answer to, or an acceptable joke even. Um, and again, this again, I'll talk about in a little bit. But the, the fact that this was possible with Brack on the panel really makes us wonder what he means when he says he's had, he has been um, fighting bro culture at his job for since the beginning. And I think we also look at this in a different way now, uh, five years down the line or six years or what was it, 2010, 11 years down the line. But uh, it still means something. And again, I'll talk about this in a second. I'll keep moving forward to tell you how things evolved. Um, the initial statement by Activision Blizzard was unsigned. 
Then um, on what was it that the, the same day that J. Allen Brack put out his statement, Activision Blizzard put out another statement signed by France, uh, Francis Townsend, who is their chief compliance officer, um, who has been at the company for four months, by the way, and which in essence repeats what was said in the initial unsigned statement. Um, they they say uh, a recent file a recently filed lawsuit presented a distorted and untrue picture of our company, included including factually incorrect, old and out of context stories, some from more than a decade ago. As if you know that wasn't an issue that it happened a decade ago. And as we've seen by the reaction at that point, the company has been boiling over with similar stories from women that are saying, you know, yes, this is true, and it's happen it happened to me, and in some cases, it's still happening. So the statement is already completely disconnected with the reality of, at the very least, the conversation around this. Um, she says, when I joined the executive leadership team, I was, certainly, uh, I was certain that I was joining a company where I would be valued, treated with respect, and provided opportunities equal to those afforded to the men in the company. For me, this has been true during my time. She's been there four months. What the hell? Um, she goes on to say... Um, uh, uh, what was the other part? Like... <sighs> I'll I'll try to find it because it's so bad. Um, oh, I can't I can't find it. I'm sorry. Again, she calls the um, the the people in the lawsuit, uh, the 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 administration um, bureaucrats that are unscrupulous or something like that. Bureaucrats that have um, no one to answer to and and things like. That. Essentially, what she's doing is dismissing the, uh, the, the, the allegations and the testimony um, and, and the things that the women are saying. There's, she's saying it's not true and the people on, on Twitter should shut up. It's not what she's saying, but it's what it means. Um, she's absolutely not acknowledging any of it and uh, taking the attack dog attitude towards um, the DFEH and and trying to dismiss them. Now, if you know Frances Townsend, who she is, maybe that's not going to surprise you, but it's still a, a, a level of what the fuckery, which is beyond comprehension. It's so out of touch with the what's happening there that it's it boggles the mind. Um, she also says that um, they aim to do great things at the uh, at Activision. They what was the thing she was saying? Um, they want to do great things through their impact on society at Activision Blizzard. What? Like, this is what they go to? They say, oh, we have great goals and we want to do great things on, on, uh, in society. The, the exact quote is, we aspire in our company to do great things in our games, in our impact on society, and in our work environment. <sighs> Activision Blizzard great things in our impact on society with Call of Duty, that's your impact. I mean, arguably Overwatch, you know, with the representation that I was talking about, 
arguably that could be said, oh, we want to impact society. But first of all, that's Blizzard, not Activision. Um, and second of all, what? Anyway, all right, I'll, I'll move on from that part. Then Mike Moheim the next day posts a statement that is, I think, closer to what we would hope to see. Um, essentially saying uh, it's all very disturbing, I'm ashamed, um, it feels like everything I thought I stood for was has been washed, washed away, real people have been hurt, they've had terrible experiences, um, I tried very hard to create an environment that was safe, uh, I, that was my goal, but clearly uh, we let these, these people down, we did not succeed, we failed, etc., etc., we have to do better. Um, harassment and discrimination exists. All of the things, you know, that I think have to be acknowledged for things to be able to evolve. Again, one of those, it has to happen and it means nothing until other things happen. Uh, and he says, you know, I want to be part of the change. I want to leave a good mark on society and on this industry, rather. All of that. Um, so again, I think this is a very good thing. Um, and in opposition to Fran Townsend, Townsend's uh, statement, but um, he was part of the company when these things were happening. If you don't know, Morheim left Blizzard two years ago, and he's founded a new um, company, and he was part of it, and he acknowledges it, but it's not like we can just take it as, well, you you didn't manage to to fix it then, so we can't assume that you're going to manage now, even though you kind of know. And again, I'll talk about this in just a little bit. Um, so, I, I, what else? We're not quite at the uh, at the end there, but um, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. At that point, um, following especially uh, Townsend's message. Blizzard employees started bending together, um, and they started. Uh, they they staged a walkout of the company. Um, they had a petition signed with uh, which I also signed. Uh, a few former employees also signed it. I think it's about three thousand people signed it now. Some former employees, some current employees, mostly current employees, of course. Um, basically asking, uh, uh, making a list of demands, staging a walkout, and most importantly, expressing solidarity with uh, the women who are coming forward now and expressing um, how much the, the tone that Townsend uh, took was not in, um, uh, in, in, you know, was inappropriate and didn't represent them. So I think that was an important thing, and it's still going. And um, they staged the walkout and had, a, you know, Activision said, you'll get full pay during the day of walkout, okay? They're, they're trying to manage the, um, the shitstorm there. And that happened. Then, uh, essentially during the same day, a conversation on Facebook, because it's not over. You might be, be tired of it. It's not over yet. Conversation um, came became more public. It was public on Facebook, and someone dug it out. Uh, actually, ac uh, Blizzard employees dug it out. Um, and by the way, oh, during all this time, 
we don't know who's culpable of these things. And we still don't, you know, we don't know who's been uh, just a little bit in the frat boy culture and has been abusive and maybe didn't realize, maybe now realizes or in the past few years has changed a little bit and and with this now realizes it. And we don't know who's been actually abusive, like actively, and it seems a lot of people have been um, abusive and and guilty of harassment and who's been covering for them. We don't know. And out of all of them, out of, of all the people who are now saying, oh, this is, you know, unacceptable, certainly there are some that are. We've seen example, actually, of um, men who are making tweets and videos about how unacceptable this, this is. And uh, the, 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 the response to this, in the next reply in the tweet thread is a woman saying, are you kidding me? You had me in tears the first day on the job in your office. You know, so we... we the, the one thing that is unbelievable is that not only was Blizzard not the exception, it was apparently the worst of all of the scandals we've seen. Maybe it's because I'm so deep into that community, but it really feels like it was even worse at Blizzard than it was in the other places, which were horrendous already. You know, it's so this happens on the day of the walkout. The social media, the Facebook conversation that is surfaced, leaked by uh, Blizzard employees to Kotaku, um, shows the Cosby suit, the Biz Colby suite, uh, which is actually named in the, um, in the lawsuit by the DFEH. Um, the Bill Cosby suit is a, the Cosby suit is a um, hotel room at BlizzCon, at the Hilton, which is close by the convention center, I've been to BlizzCon many times, and I certainly know the, the Hilton lobby with the parties, and I've even been to a few of the party rooms um, in, in the Hilton. Um, I never saw anything like that. But, uh, again, I'll talk about responsibility in a little bit. The Cosby suit suite is uh, a room where developers would hang out and then have parties in the evening. It was mostly apparently associated with uh, Alex Afraziabi. But in this conversation, there are pictures of a number of developers and members of uh, Blizzard holding up a portrait of Bill Cosby and, uh, you know, doing victory signs and laughing and having a good time. And in the chat, talking about how they're going to bring women to the suite and uh, have fun. And there's a lot of language that, you know, is hard to read. Um, and keep in mind, this is from 2013. So there's been a conversation about whether, how known um, the assault, you know, the, 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 the things that Bill Cosby did were at the time. Um, 2013, and and to address that, the the consensus. I'm not American. I don't have as clear a view of this as as many of you maybe do. But uh, the consensus there seems to be uh, there had been accusations, but it was kind of not really. It, it wasn't really uh, uh, confirmed or really looked into until 2014, when a comedian whose name I forgot actually made a sketch out of it, and it. It, it launched the whole thing and more women came forward than the investigation and everything. So 
there is maybe there is a, a discussion to be had about whether or not they were aware of what Bill Cosby uh, was. And the argument there is that actually there was some uh, office in uh, Blizzard that had horrible uh, carpet or something and that it reminds them of the sweaters of Bill Cosby that he's known for. And so that, that's why the name Cosby Suite and Cosby Room or whatever um, kind of uh, became a thing. We could argue whether or not that's plausible. The important thing is that they are uh, discussing that, you know, the way they're discussing what happens in the suite is, you know, is in by any way you look at it is, is not okay. I'll uh, read you just a, a couple of things. Um, uh, so, th again, a few, a few, just a little bit. Um, I'm gathering the hot chicks for the cause. Bring him. Greg, on your way? You can't marry all of them, Alex. I can. I'm Middle Eastern. You misspelled fuck at Hilton Bar. Come up to the, co to the cause. Um, possibly, and commenting on this, um, on, on this thread, which is a screen capture from the phone, mix, mics were dropped. Uh, possibly the greatest group chat in the history of mankind, lol. This kind of thing. Um, and the problem is not whether or not it's a Cosby thing. And I'm, I, by the way, I'm skipping a bunch of it. Um, the problem is, not only is the conversation unacceptable, but we also knew, we also now know what was happening at, in these uh, rooms. And women have come forward saying they were abused and, and people were asking them to be, people they looked up to and respected and thought, you know, oh, I'm going to be in the end crowd. It's the developers, the rock star developers I'm um, a fan of who are inviting me to a party and they would get drunk and people would grope them and, and you know, do even worse, actually. Um, it's... And the worst part, there are people from all over Blizzard, including a representative of HR. So when women say after this, you know, when we went to HR, nothing happened or slaps on the wrist... And there's a guy from HR participating in these parties and in this chat and in these pictures. Yeah, that's a problem. Other um, things came, uh, came out um, later. I kind of took a break a little bit at that point of one day, I think, um, because I was, you know, angry nonstop for... I I've been angry for two weeks and... Yeah. Um... So a couple of days later, um, a uh, an, an IGN um, article got other uh, people to talk about what was happening. One of the things was um, men would walk into the breastfeeding room. There was no lock on the door. They would just stare and I would have to scream at them to leave. And at that point, um, it seems that since then the Activision Blizzard or Blizzard management has put locks on the breastfeeding rooms. Um, another thing, 
uh, about the cube crawls and things like that. Um, this one source reported that a two-drink maximum was introduced at company events, which has confirmed has been confirmed by an Activision Blizzard spokesperson um, for from 2018 on. So. They had men entering breastfeeding rooms and staring at women. And they had to, like, the fix to this was to put a lock on the room. It wasn't that they could um, explain to people to not do this because apparently the company culture is so rotten that explaining and, and fixing it, fixing the behavior wasn't an option, it seems. Um, they also had to instigate to in institute a two drinks minimum because people were getting so drunk and <sighs> so this is roughly where we are uh, now. Um, Fran Townsend has been tweeting about how. Um, Whistle, whistle blowing is hard, is bad. I don't know the details of that specific um, story, but whistle blowing is is bad again in this uh, context. What the hell? And she's been blocking employees of Blizzard on Twitter. Um, I understand that some people can be nasty on Twitter, but when you're the CCO in the middle of this kind of scandal. You don't block people. Best case, you mute them, maybe, but not like sending out this message. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say this, but uh, Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, has um, mentioned, has put out a statement as well, which walks back some of the things that Francis Townsend has been saying, uh, basically acknowledging the issues and... Um, and uh, 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 much more in the tone of what uh, J. Allen Brack and Mike Moheim and Chris Metzen and a few others have have said, saying, "We're sorry, this is bad. We'll do. We'll fix it. You know, and this is unacceptable, and we'll fix it." Now the problem is, how will they fix it? And and also Fran Townsend, I think, will lose her job maybe quietly in a couple of months, but I think she will not be at Activision Blizzard. Um, because she can't be a, a credible uh, part of the of the team, um, but of course, all of the declarations don't do anything, um, and until there's action, and action, the problem is is difficult to implement because this is part of the culture, and beyond that. So, okay, I, I've said multiple times I, I want to talk about responsibility. And if you've listened to the instance, you heard what I meant uh, by that. So these are the facts we have until now. I want to talk about how I interpret them. And the main way I interpret them is that we are all responsible for this. Um, all of us. You know, me, everyone in the community, every influencer in the community, every, of course, uh, uh, man at Blizzard Entertainment, um, we are responsible. I think it's very easy to look at this, and I'm trying very hard to not get angry again, but to look at this and, and say, oh, those are the ones who did something bad, and those are the ones who should have done something. 
And that's a very easy, I think, even a cop-out. Um, and of course, some people are more responsible than others. The people, the perpetrators are the most responsible. The people who covered for them are close to that level of responsibility. But the people who were a, a, a big part of the community around the company, like the people who were in the company are also responsible of not having seen it, of not having listened when hints were given. Um, and by the way, I'll, I'll mention this now. Uh, I worked in Europe and my first reaction was, oh, I'm so happy that I didn't, you know, that I work in Europe where we have a, we had a lot of women working at the company and many women in leadership positions. So, you know, this didn't happen there. And then I, I thought, okay, I'm going to email a couple of people to, to see if it didn't. And sure enough, it did. Uh, nowhere near, as I, I think my understanding is, nowhere near as what happened in, um, in Irvine, in, in the American uh, HQ, or at least, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was, but it doesn't seem like it was, but it was still happening and not insignificantly. Um, it was, there are multiple stories. And so what I mean is we, all of the men were shocked and none of the women were, none of the women were, and they hinted at it. I, you know, I know multiple women, at least at the very least two women, which is already too much, who hinted at this. To me, specifically, who didn't outright say, you know, oh, Blizzard has a horrible bro culture and harasses every woman, but they were saying things like, oh, I think, you know, following maybe the Riot scandal or the uh, Ubisoft scandal, I can't remember which, some things like, oh, you know, when things are going to become clear at Blizzard, it's going to be really bad. And I didn't stop and say, wait, what do you mean? What is what exactly is happening at Blizzard? I, my, my reaction was, you know, I was so certain that Blizzard was the exception. I was like, oh, she must have had a bad experience there. That's, that sucks. Um, I, I didn't look into it further. And I think that's not, you know, that, that makes me culpable. I, have, I had a colleague who was working three times as hard as anyone there in my team of, of PR, um, three times as hard as anyone there, and she wasn't getting promoted. And the others were, like, she was the most efficient person at her job. This isn't like, oh, I heard that someone said. I, w I witnessed it. And she wasn't getting promoted. She was still doing things, you know, that were, that I would consider menial tasks at BlizzCon and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's strange. I don't, mm-hmm. That's, that's a bit weird, but I didn't put two and two together, or I didn't want to. I didn't want to see it, maybe. And that makes me responsible. Um, and I've talked a lot with a lot of podcaster friends, and there are YouTuber friends, and people who were in the, the, the surroundings of the company. And again, when you talk to the women... It's not hard. If you dig just a little bit, I'm sure you... So, of course, some women might be a little bit hesitant to uh, 
tell their life stories to people who they aren't very close to um, about this specific thing um, because they've been living through it for years and years and we don't, you know, it's it's not new to them. It's new to us. So when we're like, they might be a little bit uh, uh, hesitant to to do it, and which is understandable, but I don't think many people asked. And, and actually, in many cases, maybe they weren't saying, oh, it's the same at active at Blizzard, but I'm sure they were saying this is in the entire industry. And when someone who works at Blizzard tells you these issues like Activision, uh, sorry, Ubisoft or um, Riot issues are exist in the entire industry, even though, you know, we know and we've heard about Me Too and we, when they say this and they work at Blizzard, Maybe the appropriate question, follow-up question is, oh, wait, even at Blizzard? And, you know, go through that, unpack that whole thing. But we didn't. I didn't. I don't think anyone, <laughs> certainly no one looked into it enough and was outraged about it enough to make it into a scandal, which we could have, which we should have. And when I'm saying, you know, some of us are just... uh community members, like influencers, were not like hardcore investigative journalists, of which there are very good ones in, in the press, who have reported on similar stories, uh, as I said, Riot and Ubisoft and, and many others. But you don't need to be an investigative journalist to look into this a little bit and, and like mention it publicly or ask the question. Let's go back to that 20, 2010 um, Inter uh, a panel question at BlizzCon, you know the one about uh, a, a um, Victoria's Secrets catalog, and I at this point I'm repeating a few things I said on the instance, so I apologize if you listened to that already. But um, I don't think I saw it live because I was working Blizzard and at BlizzCon. What that meant as a, as a PR person was staffing interviews, so I was probably in a cube upstairs, staffing interviews. But usually I wouldn't go and drink with friends after the show. I would go to my hotel room, although maybe in 2010 I was still partying. So I would <laughs> first uh, go to you know uh, the Hilton lobby and have a drink and, and then go to my hotel room and watch the panels. The point is... I would watch the panels, probably watch the Q&As as well, which is where this happened. So I don't know for sure that I watched it, but it doesn't matter. I don't think if I did, I would have been like, my reaction probably would have been, oh, well, that, that's, that sucks. He, that's kind of an asshat answer and probably moved on. Today, when I see it, it makes me want to puke and I I'm, it makes me so angry at that panel. But that's after, you know, after Gamergate, after Me Too, after Riot, after... So what I'm trying to say is, back then, we weren't... It didn't become a scandal. Many people saw it, probably in the community. And it didn't become a scandal. You know, many influencers. And we didn't make it into a scandal. We should have, but, you know, I guess we changed. I strongly believe in, in redemption for most people, not everyone, but most people, and I believe that we can change, and clearly we did, but back then we didn't, you know, the women who are coming forward now have been living through this 
all this time. And back then, we didn't say anything. And up until, what, last week or two weeks ago? So my point, I hope you understand, is that we're all responsible. Maybe you don't say anything in chat when someone says something bad. Because, you, you know, uh, you want to let it go. Maybe you have women who have hinted at this as well. Maybe at Blizzard, maybe someone somewhere else. And of course, I'm take, talking, you know, 99.999% to men and probably white men and cis white men. But I've, I'll give you one last example of that kind of responsibility. There have been um, some influencers, um, Twitch streamers, YouTubers who have been talking about harassment and uh, how it's bad. And I've seen one in particular, which I won't name here because he's not the only one, I'm sure. Um, there are people who are what I call anger mongers, who, whose brand is to make people angry about uh, usually one game or one company, or it's usually one game because it's very active um, communities. And they pummel the game and everything it does all the time and are incredibly negative about the game, the company, the developers, and all of that. And so what happened was that after the, scandal, the scandals came up, the communities of, you know, some members of, the, of every community, I don't want to single those out, those out um, went to Activision Blizzard and specifically Blizzard employees saying, oh, you should quit, this company is horrible, just leave. And, and, and of course, that's a horrible thing to say because, first of all, you don't know what their situation is. They, in the US especially, they don't have healthcare. Um, they, if they leave, they're on the street. Um, they don't have unemployment benefits, probably. Um, and they might have moved from across the country to go there, and it's their life. They're, they don't, you know, it's not for you to say what they should do. Same with, you know, people who still play the game or stream the game. Or if you want to stop, that's your thing. If you want to stop your subscription, that's how you want to address it. No problem, do that. But some people have a whole social support system or even social circle in those games. You can't just tell them, oh, just, you know, give up your friends. Um, so bottom line, some people were being really shitty towards employees specifically. And one of those uh, influencers um, went to Twitter and said a very deep message with a tear in his eye. And he was like, oh, you shouldn't harass people. Harassing people is bad and you shouldn't do it. And of course, it's important that some people like him who are very popular, much more than me, say this. Of course, I understand that. And it is important. But also, it's important that we reflect on our responsibility in this. In this instance, he has been breeding a very toxic community. He's been quite toxic himself. And again, it's not just him. It's a number of people. And it, it, that kind of thing breeds that kind of behavior. And people have been telling him for years that his community is toxic, uh, that his he is toxic, that he breeds harassment. There was even someone who tweeted at him, you know, following something similar he said again, 
saying, hey, you remember when I had an interview with you, a woman, um, I had an interview with you and, and your community was so bad uh, that I had to leave like midway through. And he answered, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, it's uh, it's really difficult to handle Twitch. And I really talked to them seriously about it afterwards. And, and it's like, the point is not to stop it when it's happening during the interview. The point, I think, is to reflect on what makes your community so toxic and so prone to harassing people. And I think, of course when you have, you know, tens of thousands of people chatting, there are going to be the assholes and it's, you know, I, I'm sure you can't completely remove that kind of behavior because you can't control everything. But I do think it's useful to think at what we are doing that is making all of this possible. So, and when I say we, again, I feel extremely guilty that I didn't do anything sooner um, and I think that we should all, all look at what we're doing because, yeah. So what would I like to see? That's the last thing. I'll let you go after that. What would I like to see, uh, happen going forward? I think one element of, um, how is that possible? First of all, you know, listening to women is important. Um, I, I've, it, my initial, I had a really bad takes initially, meaning I, I, things that I thought I should do or would be useful, which when I talked about it or, or listened or continued listening, uh, I realized maybe that's not the best way to, to act right this moment. And that included things like, you know, going to women and asking, oh, you should come on my show and talk about these things. And, and some of them, it might still happen. Some of them were open to it and some of them were, you know, not open to it for various reasons. And it was a little bit difficult for me to accept that, you know, I, my, my reaction was, I got a couple of answers saying, well, I wouldn't be comfortable coming on the show with someone who wasn't aware of this. Um, and my reaction, you know, who wasn't aware of the issue in the industry. And my answer, I wanted to say, oh, but, you know, I, I did this and kind of virtue signaling. And, and my, what I did instead, I think, is hopefully um, what I should do is, you know, say the person was very polite and very nice. And, you know, and I said, OK, I'm sorry, I understand. And, you know, maybe think I'll think about this a little bit, a little bit more, which I did. Um, and so I think what one thing I would like to see is a lot of people thinking about all of this a little bit more. And um, again, many women have said, we're so frustrated that you're all shocked because we've been talking about it for, for a long time. And actually even, you know, okay, that's one part. Um, but more importantly, um, I think... We've seen how people who are in a position of power at these companies are not managing to handle the issues. And I think part of the reason for this, um, actually reading from uh, the way Riot Games has been handling their issues, which 
we don't know how well they're handled. Um, we've had some reports from independent journalists, from you know anonymous people within the company saying in many ways it has improved. People at Ubisoft uh, have also come forward saying it has not improved, only on the surface. So we have to keep watching for that to decide whether or not things have improved. And it's not for us to say, it's not for the company management to say, if for, it's for the, the people uh, who were affected and who work day to day in these companies to go maybe anonymously um, to the very good journalists that exist in this space and let us know through them. I think that is probably how it should go uh, in the next you know, year, two years, five years, 10 years. But the, the management has not been able to address it mostly. And again, um, that post was maybe part of the answer. And it was that a lot of companies have been addressing this as with fixing symptoms. You know, when someone comes to them and says, oh, this issue has happened, um, they would solve the issue specifically and think, oh, okay, we fixed it, we're good. Which maybe was a reasonable way to look at it when you didn't have the complete picture because you weren't looking into, into it too hard. Um, but the problem is many people don't come forward. Um, many people have realized that HR is not going to help them and it will make more problems for them if they do come forward. So not only are you only addressing a small part of the issues, but also you are uh, not fixing the culture of the company, which is making this possible. And I say the culture of the company, it's the culture of the industry, the culture of the community, the culture of the entire video gaming space, and of course, not just the video gaming space. As we've seen many times, it goes beyond the industry of games. It's in, you know, the entirety of society. It's just that we're talking about, you know, uh, video games and Blizzard specifically now. So, you're not fixing the culture, you're not fixing the problem, you're fix fixing the symptoms. And we've seen that if they are to be believed, the leaders didn't know about all of this. So how will they be able to know in their next companies, many Blizzard employees and leaders have left Blizzard and have their own companies now, how will, be able, how will they be able to know in their new companies if they do things the same way? I don't think they will. I think that this problem is so deeply rooted that they can't just do the same thing and expect it to uh, things to happen differently. So I think one thing which would be important is outside accountability. And maybe that's just a dumb idea, but I, I thought people like Mike Moheim and Chris Metzen and people that we haven't heard from. Um, and by the way, until I hear from specifically women that a, a specific man it, it was not a harasser, and I've heard it about a few, um, I, I will reserve judgment on them on anything, you know, or wasn't part of the problem or was at least trying to help. Um, it's only them that I will trust. If they come forward and say, oh, we didn't do anything, I, I don't know if it's true. By the way, uh, Jeff Kaplan left the Overwatch team very recently, and we don't know what that's about. It was very quiet, very low-key, 
And his avatar, his nickname in games, avatar name, is Tegol, which I learned following this scandal, I didn't realize, is kind of a, you know, this, this way of saying uh, big old titties. It's Tegol Bitties, which shortens to Tegol, which that's his avatar name. To this day, in-game, his Blizzard name, you know, in every game, it's Tegol. And that's unsavory, at the very least. But bottom line, what I'm trying to say here is maybe he also was one of those people. And that's why he was pushed out, like Afrasiabi. Maybe he was just getting sick of the way Activision was handling the games and Overwatch, and he left to go to another company. It's possible. But now I don't know. Um, haven't heard anything about him, so I'm hoping he was a very, you know, well-loved uh, personality in the community. I'm really hoping that he, uh, there's at least one good person, um, like big public figure, and uh, I don't know. So what I'm trying to say is, I want the leaders of those new companies to institute a system where it will be impossible for them to ignore these things happening. And I think that's possible. You hire an outside organization, maybe a nonprofit, maybe you start an industry-wide fund that is self-sustaining because they have a lot of money and it would be possible, an industry-wide fund, to create an organization that employees go to um, and can complain and you say publicly, you open, you have completely open uh, communication, books, you know, email, interview power to that organization, and they will investigate and they will let you know. Maybe it has to be, you know, there are conditions before it's made public. That is fine as long as you trust that organization. And there are ways of make, doing that. You know, there are a lot of women who have been talking about this and, and studying this academically uh, for years, who you could ask to be in charge of this or vouch for it. And as long as they say, yes, we are doing our work ethically, then you can trust them, even if the things aren't made public, possibly. But you can have like, you can agree on paper, like an open source document. These are the steps we take. And if we don't fix it within this and this and this parameter, then you make it public. Or you have a a report, like, I don't know, monthly, yearly report from the company, and you hire them to do that. Maybe it's internal, and you have a report that comes directly to you. Maybe monthly you have meetings with the, the person in charge at that organization, or and maybe it's a public report. Maybe they say, you know, we have had X number of incidents this year. And, of course, I think it's it's... Everyone understands that you're not going to have zero incidents. You're always going to have problems and assholes and, and these kinds of things. But if you have a public report, then you have to care about it. You have to, you are accountable. And even if it isn't public, you know, if you have this sort of outside voice that will let you know, then you have, you can't ignore it. And that's what I would like to see. I would like to see them put money, literally money, where their mouth is. And if they want to change something, maybe it's not exactly that. Maybe, you know, I don't know all the parameters and constraints. and But something like that, that makes it impossible for them to ignore these things. So 
That's what I would like to see from them. Um, I would also like to see a change of attitude from the entire community here. I won't say from the entire US, although I think that might be necessary, towards unions. And when I say unions, I know a lot of you wince. A lot of you go like, oh, wait, unions, they're anti-business. They, they keep rapists in, in jobs. Oh, that's, that's horrible. And this is such an, a misunderstanding of the necessity here. I would really like for you to listen for a little bit longer. So I, I think that unions are a... So addressing the people who think that unions are bad because there are bad examples of what unions do. Think of it like this. This is what I, I the, the best way I can think of explaining it. The justice system. You sometimes have judgments that you disagree with, sometimes even really bad takes. Sometimes technicalities make a, a criminal, a, a murderer, a, a, a rapist go three, free. We were talking about Cosby just a minute ago. Um, sometimes the justice system goes really wrong. And, and sometimes the law that is designed to protect a, a group of people, because it has to be applied blindly, maybe helps someone uh, that it shouldn't help. But no one would argue that we shouldn't have a justice system. No one would argue that criminals should not be judged and punished for their crimes. If we didn't have a justice system, then the, the, the criminals would not be accountable. The, the criminals would just do whatever they want and, you know, there are no judges. There's no consequences. Well, the unions are the counterbalance for the management. The unions are what keeps management accountable. If you don't have unions, they can do whatever they want. There's no one to tell them otherwise. There's no one to decide that um, they have to speak up when they do something that isn't right. There's no one. Literally, there's no one. They have singular employees who have needs and interests and, and uh, need to be protected who can't speak up because they're one voice that's impossible to hear when you're at the 40th floor of your skyscraper. So what unions do is that they create a collective voice of that group, the, the, the co-workers, the, the workers, the employees, a collective voice that can be heard, that can say, okay, we think we're going to do it like this. And, and the, the unions say, well, apologies, um, you know, there's this issue that this would create, or we're hearing a lot of that and maybe you should address it. Um, and, and some people think that unions are inherently bad for, make it impossible to, uh, have a, um, an efficient workplace. That's the example I always give. Hollywood is incredibly heavily unionized. Hollywood is, uh, every person that works on a film set or a TV set 
is in a union, almost. And a, a movie is a really difficult thing to create. It requires so much work. And, it's, and you have a budget constraint that means if you film an extra day, it's going to cost you a lot. So it's really tempting to tell your gaffer guy and your, you know, uh, uh, the guy putting together the set and, and the woman who's at the camera and to tell them, okay, we're going to work an extra couple of hours today. And that really devolves into horrendous working conditions. I, I, I've worked in the movie industry in France, which actually is unionized, and the movie was, you know, for a number of reasons, didn't respect what was happening, what, what you're supposed to do, and the way you're supposed to be, the number of hours and everything. And it was bad. It was really, like, I was in that industry for a few years, but... Uh, I can talk about the reasons why it's different in France, but in the US, you have unions that will say you can work from that many hours during the day and then you need that many hours to rest after that. And there was some of this in, in France as well. You know, there is a lot of it, but in the projects I worked on, there was some of it as well. But it is very con constraining. And last time I checked, the movie industry in the US is doing really well, even though you have these incredibly strong constraints on the way you're able to work. And specifically in the movie industry, the projects are very hard, as I said, in a way that I think we can describe the video games industry. Projects, except they're even longer, but projects are so hard and you have issues that come forward all the time, like constant crunch and sexual harassment. And you look at this and you think, oh, someone should do something. It's unacceptable. It's, it's outrageous. Someone has to do something. And then someone says, yes, unions could do something. And you go, ooh, wait, no, wait, I didn't mean unions. I think maybe the, the companies themselves should handle it. Maybe, you know, they have to fix their shit. And like they've been doing this for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And they've been saying we're fixing our shit. And they're not because they don't know, because they can't know, because it's the culture. And that someone that should do something is the employees, right? They should speak up. They should say and that they should let the company know. Like together, that like that let them get together, craft a message, and get the company to acknowledge it. And then if they don't, um, they should like go to the media or you're describing a union yes they should get together speak together give a voice a collective voice to their concerns and their needs and their issues that's a union that's employees coming together in unity to speak to have a voice that's heard a union is the collective voice of employees heard. So there are unions coming together in the video game industry, and um, I hope that makes sense to you. I'm, and, and you hear me here, you know I'm from France, you might think, oh, Patrick is like this communist union guy. I'm, I'm really not. 
I'm usually when people talk to me um, in France and about what I think, they're like, oh, he's a right wing dude, which I don't think is fair because I, 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 don't, I don't have anything about, you know, left or right of the political spectrum. But I pick my ideas, I think, everywhere they are. Uh, uh, they seem to be good ideas. And certainly there are issues with the unions. I think there are many issues with the unions, just like I described with the justice system. But it would not make sense to have no union, maybe a different kind of union, maybe do it a different way, maybe a little bit more like this, maybe a little bit more like that, I don't know. But it's not like I will say, but we should have no unions, we should have no justice system. So unions, I think, is one thing that we can, you know, of course, you're not going to go out and, and as a player, go out and start a union for them. It's just they have to do it themselves. But maybe it would be easier if we don't wince every time we hear unions. Because not all of them have to be like the cartoonishly evil version of the, you know, teacher's union or Docker's Union in whatever, you know, TV show you've seen. And actually, you know, I'm sure those unions do important work as well, but yeah. So think about it. You know what? Don't decide now. Just think about it. Um, another thing more personal we talked about on the instance is the instinct to be defensive about your past issues. Um, your past behavior. I think it's very natural to be defensive about this because you're being told your attitude was wrong or your attitude caused pain. And you, you don't think of yourself, I'm talking for myself in the second person as well, um, but you're, you're thinking to yourself, but I'm a good person. I don't, I'm not like those people. I don't do bad things. Um, and it's natural. You're like, no, I'm not. What are, you, are you, what are you accusing me of? And I think it's very natural to have that reaction. And I think we have to know that that's how we react and look at that reaction and still listen and think about that person who's hurt is saying, because we're not hurt, we're fine, okay? We're, we're okay, especially again, and I'm sorry if that, you know, if you have... Uh, um, political dogma in one way or another that tells you that these things you have to react to a certain way but especially cis white men we're we're, we're doing okay all right the the problem that we have right now is that people are telling us the way you act is problematic for this and that reason that's the extent of our problem just go follow some women on twitter if that's your social network of choice, it's mine. So that's what I'm talking about it. And, and listen to what they actually have as problems, okay? That's, I, you know, when I say women, I mean also people of color and, and all of different groups. It's very good to have those in your social networks. And not just for, uh, you know, right now when there's a crisis, in general, in general, it's good to have these diverse opinions and not for strong, like, political and, like, I'm not telling you go listen to pundits and, and stuff like that. I'm just saying go follow, have more diverse voices in your life. 
not necessarily pundits. I don't want you to be convinced of, of anything because I think that if we all have those voices that we just pay attention to a little bit more, then we are more aware of these problems naturally. And that's how hopefully down the line, two, five, ten years from now, the, that culture that is so difficult to change slowly changes. And, and observing yourself having that defensive reaction and negative reaction is part of it thinking, okay, all right, I'm, I'm reacting like I'm getting angry now, and that's normal because I'm being accused of something. Let's put that aside for a second, just for a second, and listen to what the person is saying, think about it, and then I'll decide if, you know, it's justified or not. And if it's not, you know, maybe say, okay, I understand you're upset, you know, whatever you say, uh, or don't rip into them, just say, okay, thanks for the feedback. But if you are, if you think that it's justified somehow, and maybe the first time you won't, maybe it's going to take one, two, three times and for you to be familiar with the idea to, to understand it a little bit better. But if you think it's justified, maybe you can say, you know, ah, maybe I messed up here a little bit. Sorry, I'll try to do better. Or just, okay, thanks for the feedback. Maybe that's all you need to say. Maybe you don't need to bear your soul. Um, so I think that's an, uh, an important thing as well. And, um, I, I will say, I said that was the last thing. This is the last thing for, for real. Um, I am hopeful in the end that ultimately it will change. Um, I don't think that this happens without Gamergate in 2014. And without Me Too in 20, what was it, 18, 19, um, and 17 even. I, I don't think it happens without the scandals at Riot and Ubisoft and all the others. And the reaction that I've seen to these uh, allegations and, and voices heard has been almost universally uh, the, the right ones, I think. Almost. Not, not everyone, but almost. And that would not have been the case, you know, even five years ago. Certainly not 10 years ago, as we've seen with the BlizzCon panel question. If that happened today, I think the person would be fired. You know, it's so outlandish. And, and a lot of what we've seen, again, Ubisoft and, and here at Blizzard, it seems to be surface... Um, projection of good attitude and, and firing a few people. At Ubisoft, they fired people that no one thought would be fired. So I hope there's still something happening. Seems like it, even though it's the, the employees are saying it's so cult surface and the culture itself isn't changing. So we're not there yet, by no means, of course. But maybe this is the beginning. And the reaction to this is the right one. And we're starting to reflect on our responsibility on this, all of us. And this is the beginning of hopefully, um, you know, it's not even the beginning. It's the continuation of a deep societal change that is necessary. And I, and I hope that we will all uh, contribute in whatever small way um, for some of us, but we'll all contribute. So I think that's going to be it. Um, thank you for listening. If you listened to the end, I hope you got something out of it. 
And um, yeah, it was, you know, I'm incredibly, um, I feel incredibly disappointed and guilty. And that is because I see finally all of these uh, women and how much they hurt. And I can't imagine what it is for them. And I, I, and I want to help. And it's not that it's too late, but it's, it's not, you know, I should have helped earlier. And sometimes it's hard to know how, and it certainly is for me. I, I, as I said, I had maybe ideas that weren't the best, um, but I'll keep trying. And I hope you keep trying too, because they, yeah, because they need it. Uh, not for now, not for today, for, for the future. And uh, today it's kind of like we can only, I don't know. Um, all right. I hope, uh, again, you got something out of it. And I hope we can um, do something all together. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.